Okay, hi Bob, once again, it is great to be with you. And um, I know that many of our um, camper parents found our first webinar really helpful. I had a number reach out to me um, to say that they actually thought that we were talking directly to them. They were like, thank you for doing a personalized podcast for us or webinar. Um, so that made me laugh, but um, people really appreciated your expertise and found it really helpful. So um, I am very thankful for that too. Great, that's great. Um, and then of course, this part too, you know, we asked, um, you know, camper parents to send in their questions, almost an ask the expert session. Um, and we got a number of submissions. Um, and obviously, not surprisingly, there were some common themes. Um, so I've tried to group them, you know, rather than just go through the list, I've really tried to look for those themes and group them that way so that, so that we can have a discussion about them. Um, so let's just get going, you know. Um, you know, one of the big themes that came up was about the fact that parents have been home with their kids, you know, more than ever before. And for a prolonged period of time, we're obviously a year into this pandemic and it's been a long time. So they've actually had more control, um, you know, over their kids than they've probably ever had. Um, so I wondered if you could comment on that because I think that there are concerns surrounding that in relation to maybe even being able to let go a little bit of that control that we've all had. So that's broad strokes, of course, but I wondered if you could comment a little bit on that and maybe talk about what you're seeing, you know, even in your own practice. Absolutely, Lauren. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I, uh, I suspect that I see kids in my uh, psychotherapy practice that are very similar to the kinds of kids that go to Camp IHC. I mean, these are families that value what camp gives to their kids, and many of them send their kids away for a full season like, uh, like Camp IHC is. And, and you're absolutely right. What's happened? I mean, you know, parents have been home. They have had a spouse working from home. Um, even if their kids have been in kind of a, a learning pod or, you know, some kind of have, you know, kind of uh, sheltered in place with uh, a, another family, there is, in a sense, this is about coming out of your own uh, pod, your own family's pod. And I think that the first thing to do is to acknowledge the fact that that's just a reality, that not have it take you by surprise. You know, so that as you send your child off to Camp IHC this summer, which will be probably the farthest they have gone outside of your own quote unquote family bubble. Um, it's uh, if you find yourself being a little hesitant uh, because you have become so acclimated to having your kids around and having that control. So that doesn't mean that there isn't, you know, that we aren't complicated or complex people and that there's another side to this, meaning that you'd love your kids to get the benefits of camp and you can't wait to have them not be underfoot. And that can coexist with, but wait, like, are they going to be okay? And I've had a year of, or more of, of having control over everything they do, what they eat, where they are. So I think the first thing is simply to acknowledge it and to normalize it for yourself that, okay, if I'm having some hesitation or some nervousness about it, that's, that's normal. And to remind yourself, why is it I'm sending my kid to camp IHC in the first place, right? It's 
so they can be with their friends and they can be in the company of interesting adults and they can establish their own sort of world and grow from that. So um, yes, absolutely. I think that parents um, have underestimated, frankly, the uh, impact it's going to have or the, the feelings they're going to have when they let their kids go. It's all about coming out of your own pod. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it kind of leads me on to another question that somebody had asked. And the, the actual question is, you know, how do I separate out my own anxieties, you know, from my child's, right? Because they might not be the same thing. Like, you know, we might have some anxieties as adults and we are obviously informed by our own experience and it's difficult not to project those onto our children who may actually be fine about it. Their anxieties about camp might just be anxieties about going to camp and nothing to do with going to camp after what we've all been through. Um, so I'd love you to comment on that. Um, but maybe I just preface it by saying that, you know, as you and I know, unfortunately, these moments sometimes prey on us and prey on our vulnerabilities. So often what you find is that maybe a naturally more anxious mother, you know, or mother or father who, um, you know, like to have more control, they've been indulged with that control. And then having to let go of that is going to be hugely challenging. Where another parent who is predisposed to be more relaxed, anxiety isn't, you know, a, a part of their parenting experience, you know, will have absolutely no problem, you know, launching their child back to camp. But in some ways, those of us that are predisposed to be a little bit more vulnerable in the realm of anxiety and parenting, um, are really going to have to be introspective here, right? Is that the challenge, there's a challenge on the table right now. Um, so maybe talk us through a little bit about that. No, that's, so first of all, that's really great. Uh, it's quite uh, astute to kind of see that because parents, uh, kids mirror uh, what they see in their parents, right? In other words, if a parent is anxious, the kid may be getting the sense that, oh, is it safe if my mom's or my dad's nervous about me going to camp? Maybe it's not okay, right? Uh, and that's all nonverbal. That all happens nonverbally. So I think your your point about how do parents separate out their own feelings, their own um, I you know feelings about their kid going to camp from their kid's feelings is really a critical question. Um, what I this is where parents need to help each other, right? And I don't mean just parents within a family, like, uh, you know, two parents helping each other with, you know, their own feelings and, and supporting each other. Although I do mean that. I mean, also, this is a great time for parents to talk to other camp, camp parents. Like, how are you handling this? What do you think? Because I think parents need to have uh, an opportunity uh, to share their own feelings separate from their kids, right? To have a place to go to say to their, to their spouse or to a good friend who's a camp parent also, uh, I'm really nervous about this. Oh, I'm so, so glad you told me so that they can kind of process that, uh, those emotions and those anxieties or those hesitations separate from their kids. I think the other thing is that one of the things we know, Lauren, about, uh, about children um, and their sort of health in terms of growing up is the more they see their own parents having their own separate successful lives, meaning separate from them as kids, that my parents are happy and I'm not central to that happiness, that I can go away and my parents have a life, 
right? They're going to go out or they're going to take a short vacation or they're going to go to a summer home or they're going to go to the beach. And that's actually reassuring to, to children because it's like, oh, it's okay for me to go away because my parents will be happy without me being home. I think that's also critical. So I'm, what I'm really saying is parents, I think, need to do some planning. What are you going to do for yourself? What advantages will, will you take advantage of the time that your kid is at camp and let your kid know this is what, you know, your mom and I, your dad and I, uh, you know, are going to be doing uh, when you go away. So I think it's a combination of both of those things. Yeah. yeah. And that it's healthy to have an existence outside of your role as a parent. It's right? crucial for your kids to see that you do. It is. And I think that's something that particularly, you know, some women struggle with, you know, and I've had these discussions over the years, you know, oftentimes with moms who are very accomplished women, you know, had great careers, but then have chosen to stay home, which of course we all know is the hardest job of all. Um, but, but, you know, they'll say things like, but my children are my life. And of course the therapist in me says, no, even for a working mother, you, their children are their life too. They just also have another piece of their life that they have to focus on. So it's not all encompassing, right? And I try delicately to walk those moms through that, you know, if, if, if all that you have is parenting these children and, and, and there's no other outlet for you, that's something that you should maybe pay attention to because you will, you will often be a better version of a parent if you do have a distraction away from them. And I think we touched on that a little bit the last time. Um, so, so just reassuring moms that you're not a bad mom or even dads, you know, we have a lot of dads that are actually stay at home dads in our IHC community. Um, that is so much more common that you're not a bad parent if you have an outlet outside of your children and another focus. It doesn't mean you love them less. It doesn't mean they're not the center of your universe, you know? Yes, absolutely. In fact, frankly, if um, the kids get the sense that they are the center of their parents' universe, frankly, it's a burden for the children. It's like, oh, they're, they're too important to their parents. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think uh, it's not only that parents aren't bad, I think it's actually quite healthy uh, it's, the, it's the reverse of that. It's that it's quite healthy. It's important for kids to see that their parents thrive and have their own separate lives. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why would I as a kid want to grow up? Right. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to have that life too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I think modeling mm -hmm. that for your kids right. uh, relieves them of a burden and also mm -hmm. shows them this is, this is how you grow up. This is what's waiting for you. Right. Exactly. And, and it doesn't come naturally to parents to do that, you know, but, but we have to work hard at that, but yeah, it's okay I, to do it. I, I actually wanted to comment on what you said about how this, you know, is a struggle for a lot of mothers in particular, I would say whoever the main caretaker is in the mm -hmm. family, mm -hmm. that um, I think there's a lot of guilt that when mm -hmm. a main caretaker isn't taking care, if the main caretaker is taking care of themselves, they feel guilty that at that moment they're not taking care of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's what you're talking about. And mm -hmm. that is a struggle and that, you know, that takes practice and it, mm -hmm. it does take mm -hmm. some reassurance that mm -hmm. if I'm taking care of myself in this moment, my kid will be okay. You know, they can wait or they'll be fine. Or it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person to, you know, momentarily 
take care of myself and therefore not be taking care of someone else. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. So another question that came out was really specific to the middle school, high school age group. Um, So the question is that, you know, my daughter is 13. It's a vulnerable age already. Um, She's always loved camp, but for the first time she's nervous about returning. She she's coming, but she's nervous about returning. She's, she's worried that friendships are not going to feel the same and that it's just going to be a little bit awkward. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, a couple of things about that. First of all, um, the very first thing that I, I would suggest parents do is to, is, is not to talk that your daughter out of that nervousness, that anxiety, that's what we all do. We want to make our kids feel better. So we try to talk them out of it. And what I think is um, <clears throat> more effective is to say, well, of course you're nervous. Why wouldn't you be? You've been home for a whole year. You haven't seen your friends except on screens. You haven't seen them in person. So it is natural. It's normal for you to be a little anxious because if we try to talk our kids out of that anxiety of that hesitation, um, they're only going to push it underground and, mm-hmm. and it's going to fester. So I think it's to normalize it. Mm-hmm. to say, well, of course, why wouldn't you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, you, Lauren, know I'm a stickler for using and as opposed to but, right? Mm-hmm. I know it's a little minor detail, but I think when we're talking to kids and we say, but, they go, oh boy, here comes the lecture and they kind of stop listening. And so I think, look, yeah, of course you're a little nervous. Why wouldn't you be a little anxious? You've been home for a whole year and you haven't seen your friends. Mm-hmm. And... That said, I think that once you get there, you're going to find that the most important thing is being with them and that you're going to pick up right where you left off. You know, this is a little bit of stage fright for, for yeah. kids, right? Yeah. Kind yeah. of like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, once they get there, once they get over that hump, they're going to relax and all of the natural things that come with being 13 and being friends are going to just be there. So, right. Uh, Right. And, you know, I had this conversation, you know, with a, uh, a, another camper who is the same age and we talked about the same thing. And I said to her, I said, okay, so let's just think about two things. I said, on any normal year, you know, when you come to camp, what does day one feel like? And she's like, it feels like I've never been away. I said, right, but the truth is you've been away from it for 10 months and, uh, and 10 months is a long time. You know, that school year, she's like, it's an eternity. And I was like, right. I said, and then you show up at camp and on day one, I said, and you just said it yourself in your words, like you feel like you never left, you know? And I said, even though two years is longer than one, I said, I have a suspicion that it's going to it's going to feel like that, you know, that, that, um, it's not going to be, um, awkward in the moment. Right. And, and she, that seemed to resonate for her. Um, and then I also said to her, you know, you've changed. And she was kind of like, I have. And I'm like, well, I assume you have. I said, it's been a long time. And she's like, no, I have changed. Like I've grown up a lot. Like, you know, I, we were laughing cause she's like, I kind of like talking to the boys now. Like we were talking about the change in her. And I said, right. So I said, 
everybody will have changed in some capacity and that's okay just like you have i said but is your change going to interfere with your ability to be with your bunk mates and have a good time and have fun and let your hair down and she was like oh no she's like i didn't think of it like that like she's like i kept thinking about how other people would have changed and change being scary but then now you say, Lord, like I've changed, but that change is good and their change can be good too. Right. So it was just, I think at that age, particularly Bob, it's really helpful to, to, to get them out of the elementary school phases of like egocentrism and more into know there's this reciprocal world and other people's perspective and like, you know, showing them that your change is a reflection of their change and that neither need to be scary. Well, you know, you bring up a really great point about change and kids, which is that, you know, these changes happen slowly over the course of a year and they don't actually see it, right? They, they, they become <laughs> acclimated to it and they don't realize, oh yeah, you're right. I am actually a little bit more outgoing. Oh yeah, I am a little bit more comfortable in groups. Oh yeah, I am talking to boys a little bit right. more. Right. So I think it's great that as adults, we can point out, you know, those changes because kids don't see them. They really don't see them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. interesting. I, I have a little vignette that's similar. I, I as you know, probably people know, um, was doing mostly virtual sessions with my kids for the first several months of the pandemic. And I had a, a, a young fellow who's, who's uh, 10, he'd be a great camp IHC kid, by the way. And, um, I hadn't seen him for like maybe seven months and he comes into my office and I take one look at him and I'm like, Oh my God, he's like so much more grown up. Right. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know that until I can point out to him, you know, like how he has changed. So I think that's terrific. By the way, you mentioned something else that I want to, um, I want to reinforce and, and just point out to parents, which is kids forget, Right. They forget, like, as you said, what's it like when you come to camp on the first day? Oh, yeah, you're right. It's like I've never been away. Yeah, that's right. Kids forget that. And it's helpful for us as adults, whether it's a parent or someone like yourself or myself or a counselor to simply say to a kid. Yeah. Remember how it is? You know how it is because kids do forget. So I think it helps put things in perspective. For kids. Yeah. So, so then another question that really kept coming up was, my child is worried that camp's not going to feel the same. Yes. We hear that a lot. The way kids say it is, what if it's not real camp? That's how they say, what if it's not real camp? Um, and what I, what I say to, um, what I would, what I myself say to kids and what I would recommend is to say that what's going to happen when you get with your friends is you're going to be so relieved and so excited that you're actually at camp, that it's actually happening, and that you get to be back with your friends, that that itself is going to be exuberant. That's going to be the most exciting part of this. And yes, there may be some aspects of camp that might not happen. Okay. I don't think you're going to miss them as much as you think. By the way, I would also point out that, you know, it's a, there's a real advantage for kids to be going to a camp like Camp IHC because you are full season camp. It will allow, and I think this is great to remind kids that, yes, they're going to start out in a pod, but after a couple of weeks, the first 14 days, as Lauren, you, you know, always point out, is the most important. Once you're past that and people are safe and you've kind of created those layers of safety, 
kids can be uh, can begin to mingle with other kids. And by the time you get to the end of camp, you know, being very careful, of course, about who, you know managing who comes in and who comes out of camp from the outside. I think kids are going to find that a lot of the things they look forward to being together. Yes, they might have to be in their own section. They might have to wear masks. But you will be able to do a lot of the things that you, um, you know, have always done. It might just take a while to ramp up to that. Exactly. Yeah. And I've been explaining to parents that the majority of what IHC is doing is, is on the back end of things. It's not front facing, meaning that the kids are not going to be aware of it. Right. And, and I think that that's also, you know, our, our COVID response handbook is, is going to be published on April 6th. Our families know that um, Joel and I are going to host a webinar. We're also going to invite our middle and high school campers to that webinar to watch it. Right. Um, because I think that what we really want to get across is those first 14 days are crucial. And those first 14 days are informed by the 14 days prior to arrival, that it is interlinked, that there is a period of four weeks that has got everything to do with before camp, right? Um, but once we get through that, that, that we have a detailed plan to keep our eye on things. Um, so we'll know that if there's been a breach, you know, of, um, of COVID coming into camp after those two weeks, which we think is so unlikely given our protocols. Um, and of course, the facility enhancement is incredible that not only will COVID be out, but I think that just the health and wellness of the whole community is going right. to be at a level it's never been before, that in some ways it shifted our focus from like, how do you have cleaner air at camp on any given year? Do you know what I mean? Obviously outdoors is perfect. We're in Northeastern Pennsylvania, but in, in the bunks, for example, in the buildings, like, you know, that, that clean air and filtration is now going to be a part of life. And that is a good thing, you know, not just for this year, but for beyond. Um, but of course, the reason also that there is such a detailed testing plan um, before camp and then at the beginning of camp is because we want to exist without heavy mitigation, that we want camp to feel absolutely normal. Right. Um, so, right. so and, and families will partner with us to do that because I do think that everybody, everybody wants camp. So, um, no, that's great. So um, maybe, you know what, you, you brought something up actually um, in your last little segment that, that, you, you mentioned the kind of like shorter season thing. And it, it made me think about, well, you know that I actually think that camps, you know, that like hours that are just the, the same population for the entire summer, um, you know, we have an advantage there. Um, but I also, you know, wanted to touch on the visiting day piece because IHC families know that I definitely don't think that having a typical visiting day is a sensible idea. Um, and I've really encouraged anybody who's asked me so far to prepare their child if they are a returning camper in particular, um, that visiting day is, is, is not likely. Um, and I've asked parents that have spoken to me about that to plant those seeds and we have received no pushback. Of course, I am still motivated to be able to do something for first year campers, because as you and I have discussed, they're, they're, they're in their own 
they're, they're an entity within their own right, like the, that there's psychological implications to sending your child away for the first time, both for that child and for the parents. So I'm not quite ready to let go of that. But um, I actually had a conversation with a good friend of mine down here in Florida who made the decision to send her child to camp, um, not in the Northeast, you know, a camp closer to home and originally was sending, you know, her for seven weeks, but then, um, you know, there's no visiting day for anybody at that camp. And she wanted my advice on, should I drop it back to four? And, you know, I said to her, well, you number one, know your child. And do you think that once you launch them into camp that they will do well? And she said, yes, like, you know, these, they're going to camp because they're a camper. I said, right. I said, let's just talk about this as mother to mother. I said, you trust them with your child's health and well-being for four weeks. She's like, yes. I'm like, so you trust them with their health and well-being for seven. She's like, yes. I said, send them for seven. They will be absolutely fine. If they're a camper and you know that they're going to do okay, even if there is a little bit of homesickness or whatever, if you trust the camp with their health and well-being for four, three more weeks doesn't change that. And she was like, that's all I needed to hear. They're going for seven. And I was like, I think, I think that's the correct decision, you know? And I think actually their community has decided to send the kids for seven, which is amazing. But I just wanted to kind of put that out there too. We talk about four versus seven a lot because we are seven weeks only. And I'm very clear on that, but um, I'm sure you agree that, 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 parents get caught up in the four versus seven. It's not yeah. a child issue. No, I don't think it is. For, not for most kids. There are some kids who just can't do that. Correct. Right. You Correct. Know, mm -hmm. and, and most parents know who they are, right? Right, uh, exactly. Uh, I mean, and, and, those, and those are kids, in, in my opinion, in my experience, with a specific challenge that comes with them to camp that the seven weeks is just too long for them almost to be able to hold it together. Like, I know that's a very crude way of saying it, but there's some kids um, that, that four weeks is optimal and then they need, you know, a, a change of scenery, you know, and, and whatnot. But the, it's not kids that are coming nervous, you know, like it's not anything to do with anxiety or homesickness about camp. It's kids that are coming where you're saying parents already know what what their challenges are and that exactly. the, yeah. the, the extension from four to seven is just a reach. It's just, a, a, it's a reach too far. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have, for example, a young couple in my practice, lovely kid. I mean, great young man and he loves camp, but he's very much of an introvert, uh, frankly, like both of his parents. And he says to me, you know, I go to camp and I take a, I take a bunch of books and I, in the first four days, I just read my books and then I'm done with them. And then, then I'm okay. And then I'm fine. And I can do it for four weeks, but I can't do it for seven weeks. And so that's a kid who knows himself. And it's great. Uh, and you know, parents know that there's the, that kids may have certain sort of pre-existing, you know, features or conditions that, you know, make it just hard to do the whole endurance, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. distance one, as we mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, back to visiting day. I, first of all, I, I think that once parents have trusted you and Joel and your team, uh, and they've had an experience with you for a year, and I'm speaking from experience myself, because I, having been at Camp IHC and having experienced directly what you do and the attention you give to your 
to your staff to help them give that great attention to the kids. I don't think kids are going to miss visiting day. I, I mean, I hate to break it to parents, but um, I don't think they're going to miss it at all. Um, I think kids, you know, like you say, who are brand new, um, may just need, I think it's more parents probably need that reassurance. Oh, okay. My kid really is okay after four weeks or however many weeks you do visiting day, you know, and of course I'll let you decide that, but I agree with you. I don't think kids will miss it. Um, right. And, right. and, you know, just, so I'm going to speak as a camp consultant, having mm-hmm. witnessed visiting days at camps all around the country, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are, uh, of the clientele that you know you serve, I find that visiting day is actually kind of a thing kids have to get over. That it almost reinfects some kids with homesickness. Yeah, and it that does. If, yeah, and if kids didn't expect that visiting day was going to happen, they wouldn't miss it at all, right? <laughs> it's more like, what kind of candy and treats are you going to bring me? You know, uh, and it's not that they don't miss you as parents it's not that they don't love you i think that once kids get into their groove it's hard to kind of bump them out of it again and then they have to readjust all over for a day or two um so i mean you know i know parents love visiting day but i don't think kids are going to miss it to be honest with you no and i appreciate you saying that you know when parents a lot of parents say to me that they, you know, think visiting day is a necessary evil. And I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, parents will joke with me and say, oh, you and Joel must hate it. You know, all these parents on camp. And the truth is, is that, no, like we actually feel that we have a really good relationship with the vast majority of our families. A lot of them have become friends of mine, you know, that the relationship extends beyond their kids being at, you know, our camp. Um, but why I hate it is because I see the turmoil and the destruction that it creates for children. And again, you know, like, I mean, I am obviously a camp owner director now, and I'm not a practicing clinician, but you can never unknow what your training is. Right. And I see the emotional and psychological impact of that day and it makes me sad so it's not that i have a ton of work to do after because you know me i roll up my sleeves and i know what to do and i know how to transition the camp back but i feel sad that the kids had to go through that but um but yeah i mean it's a hot topic right now um but um but i appreciate your insight and i appreciate you saying that um So let's like, just to kind of close the loop on that, like, I think that there's a piece about, and this isn't a question that came through, it's me just thinking on the spot, like, you know, what about the parent that feels that their child can't survive without a visiting day? Like, what is that about? Like, what is your advice to that parent? Because I have my feelings on it, but obviously I have to tread carefully because these are more in the more therapeutic space, you know, what, what is your reaction to that? If you, if a, if a parent says, but my child can't make it without a visiting day. Well, I mean, you know, as I mean, I put on my clinician hat here for a second. I mean, what I would do is become curious about, well, what is it that makes them think that their child can't do that? Right. And to try to get to, is that really you? Or your kid. And this mm-hmm. comes under that heading again of what is yours and what's your child's. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if a parent has chosen a, a full season camp by camp by HC in the first place, 
they must have chosen it for reasons and they mm-hmm. must feel their mm-hmm. kid has the endurance, the capacity, the ability to, you know, to be there for seven weeks. So what is that really about? I think it's a time for parents to become reflective, you know, about their own experience as kids, about their own needs, um, and to try to look at, is that really your child's need and, or is it yours? The other thing is there are other ways, like kids sometimes need simply to hear the reassuring voice of their parents on the phone for five minutes and they're fine, Mm -hmm. right? So is it really a visiting day or is there some other way to supply reassurance to your child uh, in a way that is less, for lack of a better word, sticky, right? In other words, where where, um, the child doesn't hear the parent's yearning, the parent's sense of loss, Um, because that confuses kids. It's like, oh, if my mom or my dad are so sad about me being away or they need to hear my voice so badly, is it really Mm -hmm. okay for me Mm -hmm. to be here, right? Right, 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 right. Right, and I think Mm -hmm. that's what parents need to be really clear with themselves about. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they should get curious about that question. That's right. Yeah, no, that's helpful. But honestly, you know, and, and I, I shared this with you before, you know, our, our recording, I have been really encouraged. I haven't had one phone call asking, you know, for a visiting day. I think the first year families are curious and there's a nervousness there. I'm not getting any, you have to have it or my child isn't coming, but I think they appreciate my perspective on them as their own group and being sensitive to that. Right. Um, but returning campers, I have not received one phone call saying we want a visiting day. I've actually only received the opposite. And I think that does, you know, make me feel good about the trust that they have in us to 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 be with their children for that long. That's a real endorsement on the part of your parents. I agree with that. That's how I feel about it. Um, But I also am not naive and I know that there will be a, a couple of parents here and there that just are grappling with that. And and I want to speak to my whole community and not just, you know, those that, you know, are on the easier side of that. Like I, I respect and appreciate and acknowledge that there will be in our, our community of our size parents that don't feel that way. And I just wanted, you know, to tap into your expertise in relation to that. So that's helpful. Okay, so finally, you know, the really the final thing was really surrounding COVID, right? Because the question actually came from a parent who was almost like presenting to me, I have COVID in perspective, right? So she was really saying, COVID's terrible. COVID is the worst, you know, one of the worst world crises that we've ever lived through. I'm not undermining it. But but when I strip it back to, okay, it's not really affecting kids. Nobody in her, you know, circles, if they are, you know, young, a a kid, young, healthy, has been affected tremendously by COVID. And she, so I think her point is like, I haven't wrapped my kids up, you know, in a bubble. Like they have been in school, they've been wearing their mask. Like we have, you know, done some sports like safely. We've never gone to a restaurant or any of that stuff. But she's like, we've been sensible. Like I have perspective on this. She's like, what about the kids that have not lived this life and have been virtual schooled the whole year, you know, that are more intense in their feelings about COVID? What happens to those kids if 
someone might test positive for COVID on arrival day or on the day seven testing. They might test positive because people get COVID and they don't know where they got it. Like, how are the kids going to cope with that? Like, number one, how is your kid going to cope with that if it's them? And how are the other kids going to cope with that if they've been around them? Like, you know, the, 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 how do we talk to our kids about finding perspective for COVID? Like, what would be good words to use? How do we approach this for our kids? Well, great. So I want to just um, share with you as I, um, before I answer that, um, some interesting research that I've seen, which is that people who tend to be on the more conservative end of the political spectrum tend to minimize and underestimate the impact of COVID. And people who are on the more progressive or liberal end of the political spectrum, which is where I suspect most of your families fall, tend to over-exaggerate the seriousness or the, 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 the ill effects of COVID. We, we're all guilty of having our perspective be a little bit warped, right? Um, you know, I think that we have, that some families have done such a good job of keeping their kids safe that it may have come at a cost, that we may have almost scared our kids a little bit too much, right? Like that um, kids don't understand that safety protocols actually work, right? I mean, yes, they're not perfect, um, but the whole um, uh, notion of what we call harm reduction, that we, that what you and Joel and your team are going to do is to reduce the harm. I think is really important for parents to kind of keep in mind. In terms of kids, um, you know, I think it's like, yeah, okay, so you know, to more nor to to again to normalize it a little bit. It's like COVID is not the end of the world. And by the way, and you know this, Lauren, as well as anybody, if a child tests positive within the first two weeks of camp, chances are really good they brought it from home right? That they didn't really, it's not something that's in camp. Because I think that's one of the things that kids will do is they will panic, or they may panic and go, oh my God, it's here, it's here, it's here. It's like, no, it came in from the outside. And we've all been following protocols. So it's been contained. Mm -hmm. And that's why that child or your friend is going home. And they'll go home. And they may not have any symptoms, because most kids don't. But once the, you know, once the virus is out of their system for two weeks and they can test negative, they can come back. So I think it's really about um, helping kids understand that a positive test doesn't mean the whole camp is now infected. Because I think that's what kids do is they jump ahead. They catastrophize. They, kids don't typically catastrophize, but they might. So right. I think it's about keeping it in perspective. No, this probably came from home. We're containing it. That's why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. That's why your friend's going to go home. And, you know, we're going to test again here. Mm -hmm. And we're probably fine. We probably have contained it. It's not going to get to everybody. Um, because I think, again, we have hyped it to a point mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in the interest of keeping our kids and our families safe, we may have hyped it to a point where we've almost frightening a little bit too much. Exactly. Because yeah. I think like the strategies and I used to talk to my girlfriends about this is that our role as you know, people our age with children is to stop the spread. It's 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 not that like we like we obviously and, and I did everything I could to avoid getting COVID. Um, but I lived my life. And my point to my girlfriends was 
we we have to adhere to all of these healthy behaviors because we are responsible for stopping the spread they are not concerned about us you know succumbing to this virus and of course some people do and that's tragic but now we have so much data to show us that we are not the high risk category um but we have a responsibility to stop the spread. And that's exactly what I explained to my children is that if somebody gets COVID that you know that's okay and they're gonna recover from COVID and they're gonna be back in school 14 days later and all is good in the world, you know, um, that we don't need to panic. And look, we've had campers that have had COVID already and I've been really impressed with how parents have navigated that with them, that, that it's okay and, you know, um, and I've had some interesting conversations with parents where, you know, and not this year, but last year, and you know, just that we have to put, like, we have to really take stock of the data here and that the, the, the children, the more, the deeper we got into last summer and the fall, it was evident that some of our original fears, thankfully, um, were not really playing out in the way that was once predicted, that the children, um, you know, are good. And actually, funnily, uh, a parent who I really respect, who has a job, you know, in the kind of biomedical, um, you know, um, sphere, had said to me, Lauren, there would have been strategies, if we had known that kids were really not gonna be affected, there would have been strategies year ago, years ago to send kids to camp for herd immunity. <laughs> And I was like, right, well, we're not doing that. So um, we are going right. to do everything we can to not create herd immunity at camp. Like we are actually hoping for herd immunity in our staff members through the vaccine. So we're really motivated for that. Right. Um, but we want to keep COVID out. We don't, we, you know, we, that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. But, but, you know. No, so. great. It's great. And I also think I'm, I myself, I don't have a crystal ball any more than anyone else does. But, um, you know, you and I are talking here at the end of March, I would say that by you know, the middle to the end of May, uh, the, the vaccine effort is going to have been very successful. Um, and so I think that's another factor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so that really, you know, is all the questions, although Great. there were things that were more specific, I think those were the kind of hot topics. Yeah. Do you have any, you know, parting words of wisdom for us or for our community or anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't quite get to? Well, uh, not that we haven't gotten to because we've sort of said this in the past, but I think in closing, the thing that I would invite parents to remember is the gift that they're giving to kids that mm. me, the, the risk of their kid going to camp is so small um, and the benefit is so great um, that um, I think it's about keeping your eye on the big picture. Like the, the fact that your kids are going to have so much nurturance and opportunity to be creative and to have a sense of freedom and be with their friends is so growthful. And as I think we talked about in our first uh, conversation, um, I think kids are gonna need a deep drink of friendship and freedom and creativity in order to set them up for school in the fall. I think they're gonna need that. And so I just would invite parents to remember what a wonderful thing you're giving your kids. Well said, couldn't agree more. So Bob, thank you so much. Um, 
you and I will be in touch. You know, you're always an amazing resource to me and to Camp IHC. Um, thank you on behalf of all of our parents too, because I know the feedback has re been really excellent. So I appreciate it. Well, great. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.